The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this woman that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? And welcome to another exciting episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles. I'm your host, Tim D-O-Double-G. With me tonight is the man behind the sound effects, at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter. What's up, everybody? And we also have at RideyCat on Twitter. Hi there. Yes, sir. So for the time being, we'll be a three-man team. Our at PCN underscore Dirt is, has a busy schedule taking up his Thursday night. So at least for the next couple of weeks and a few months, he will be absent from the show. But ho- we're hoping he re- makes a hearty, triumphant return back in November. He'll be still part of the show. That's right. But also make sure to go to his website in the meantime, popculturenetwork.com. <laughs> And go to our website, theclicknation.com, where you can find previous episodes of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Comic Book News. On the homepage, we have links to our social media accounts. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, YouTube. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and YouTube. Speaking of podcasts, we're a part of the Coast Little Podcast Network. Go to cspn.us. Do it today. And make sure to buy Comic Book Chronicles merchandise by going to shop.cspn.us. Remember, we record live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're ever talking comp books on social media, use the hashtags Comp Book Chronicles and CBCron to join the conversation. So this week marks the finale of Marvel's summer blockbuster event, Secret Empire. Finally. It's like mildly sarcastic on my part. <laughs> As I work to get the cover going here. Right. But in the meantime, yes, Secret Empire has ended. Hydra Cap is Wait, hold defeated. on. Let me, bell. <laughs> Let me ring the spoiler bell. Well, although it's not exactly a spoiler because we already know what's happening post-generation. So I'll ring the bell for anyone who doesn't want to know exactly how it all goes down in Secret Empire number 10. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Prolific so, to come. On, on the cover there, you see Hydra Cap in his Hydra armored powered suit powered by uh, the parts of the Cosmic Cube that he has accumulated. Yeah, like nine-tenths of the Cosmic Cube. <laughs> and he uses it to rewrite history by wiping out the collection of heroes that tried to oppose him and to also change significant events in the Marvel Universe like the formation of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Charles Xavier, and uh, Charles Xavier, Professor Etz, and Magneto becoming mutant martyrs as they're executed and hydra coordinating the experimentation of a spider that goes on to bite peter parker sure and um there's a couple of callbacks in this issue art wise and i'll mention just the you know just the ones related to uh what uh tim dog 90 was just talking about there's a there's a couple of callbacks to the uh, hickman um shield series in this if you notice there's a couple of um characters and and whatnot from the uh the, the, the that shield series that at least the first volume finished but the second one has not yet but um there's a couple of nice little callbacks 
to that um, sprinkled in this issue and you see them on the same page on the next page after uh, um, the, uh, the the rewriting of history that uh, Tim was just mentioning. Really? I did not know that. Yes. Yes. So if you flip to that page right after that, um, the blue line uh, art where a lot of the history is rewritten, the next page has um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci in chains. Okay. I didn't see that. Right. And the character that's wearing that helmet, doesn't that, hel- that helmet looks familiar for anyone who read the Hickman Shield series sitting um, on the uh, Lincoln Memorial. So that's definitely a callback. Hmm. And I think Nick Spencer, the writer, has made it known he's a fan of Jonathan Hickman. And I guess he, didn't he co-write, didn't they co-write some books together, I think? So, um, Secret Warriors, no? I could be wrong. Not Secret Warriors. Um, Crap, what was that series called? It was the Avengers spinoff. Avengers World, was it? Avengers World. Yeah. That's probably, that sounds right, actually. Here you go. Yeah. So, right. so kind of building on um, building on uh, what I was talking about in terms of uh, seeing some, uh, some familiar characters and some familiar scenes being played out in this, there are a couple of callbacks art-wise in this. They actually pluck a panel uh, from Ron Lim's work in the original Infinity Gauntlet and drop it on um, one of the, the early pages of the book that involves um, Sam Wilson, uh, Captain America, approaching uh, Hydra Cap. And I thought that was a nice little uh, that was a nice little credit that they put in there. It's like, oh, they did have some Ron Lim art in here because he's listed in the credits. And it's precisely for that panel that they that they dropped in. That I did notice. And, and yes, Tim, you're right. It was Avengers World. Boom. There you go. It was only, what, four years ago now? <laughs> Which really doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Yes, well, probably three, closer to three years. I think it came out in spring or winter of 14, you know, like early 14. Mm. Yeah, I was reading that series at the time. Same. Yeah, so was I, uh, yeah. And actually, yeah, 2013. Oh, like late we're, thir- we're, we were around then, right? Oh, of course we were there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. 2014. I was looking at the wrong date. Yeah, but they announced it in late 13. That's what you were saying. Right. I was looking at right. that. So. Um, but in any event. Yeah, this article says 12, but whatever. I don't, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about it. So ultimately, no, 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 no. right. So ultimately, uh, getting back to the book, um, Sam Wilson uh, approaches uh, Hydra Cap and does the unthinkable. Does. What no Captain America ever does, which is surrender. But it's all a ruse. And uh, the plan that had been hatched uh, by the now returned uh, Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bucky, um, is, is uh, put into effect. And uh, it serves to um, uh, level the playing field and also bring back um, good old Steve from uh, Co- from what, what's revealed to be uh, a corner of Kobik's uh, uh, consciousness that's left in that one remaining shard that's separate from the Cosmic Cube. So essentially... And that's where... That's yeah. where where Kobik and Bearded Steve had been hanging out. Right. And essentially what, you know, the way I understood it was that once they reassembled the cube, Kobik could reassemble herself. Mm-hmm. So, and essentially that's what happens. So we get the return of the real Steve, quote unquote. Yep. 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 So, you know, the pre, the pre manipulated Steve, because, uh, you know, Kobik comes, you know, comes up, comes right out and says, yeah, she manipulated him and made him what he was. But then he got, you know, she was the Dr. Frankenstein to the Frankenstein's monster. So Hydra Cap essentially became um, the monster while, uh, Kovic slash Dr. Frankenstein was left cowering, um, but uh, materializing literally out of thin air, literally out of thin air, in full costume, is Captain America in like the old school pre, um, pre-Marvel pre Now costume. I was kind of disappointed that the Marvel Now costume didn't uh, come back with them. They went old school. Yeah, they absolutely went old school. And, um, you know, there's a couple of nice scenes in this, a um, couple of callbacks again to um, some McNiven art. It's kind of funny that McNiven's kind of aping himself in this. You know, he apes um, uh, Addie Granon 
of uh, Iron Man, you know, like kind of the classic, um, you know, like the, the stuff that they did in the movies, but he also specifically apes his own art from Civil War in this. Thief. Yeah, exactly. Is it thieving if you're stealing your own work, right? Um, but, uh, you know, and you know what? I, the, the reason why I, I noted what I did in our show notes, um, link tweeted out by our own uh, Roddy Cat. The reason why I wrote um, what I wrote is that, you know, as much as I've just not been a fan of the storyline, the buildup to the return of OG Captain America, you know, I guess is enough to excite even the, the, the harshest critic of the latest storyline. So, you know, I'm just a sucker for a cool cat moment. And one of the cool cat moments in this is, again, I rang the spoiler bell. You guys were warned. We, you know, we find out that um, Hydra Cap really wasn't uh, worthy of uh, wielding Mjolnir. Um, the, whatchamacallit, uh, Elisa, the Madam Hydra, had some uh, something to do with that. But now that she's gone, it turns out that he's not worthy. But the uh, OG Cap is. And, uh, you know, OG Cap uh, uh, uses it like a whooping stick. Hmm. So that, you know, that, like I kind of, I kind of, uh, I kind of had a dumb grin on my face when I read this, you know, um, scrolling and also reading my physical copy. And we also learned that uh, Madam Hydra manipulated events to make it look like he did, Hydra Cap did lift Munior, or that, I guess that allowed him to lift, to lift. Right. Somehow. Munior. I mean, at the end of the day, I, you know, again, um, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think there's some articles online about what actually happened, but you know, it, it seems odd that, uh, someone, uh, that's not like Odin level powerful can manipulate the enchantment like that. You know, I had a feeling that, that maybe it was just an, uh, an illusion, but at the same time, it's kind of weird that they're able to cast, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Jane Foster Thor into a banishment, you know, without that kind of power. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say what exactly happened there. What do you think it was, Tim? I was saying, and also made it look easy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if it's art, some of the early pages to me, some of the characters look really wooden mm. as it, with most of his art, like the pages that only have like our splash pages are only for has two or three captions minimal are really the ones that shine because he gets to like show off his great attention to detail and making characters appear larger than life. Right. I agree. I'm also not the biggest fan of McNiven's art. I re- I'm really not. I, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm sort of in the minority. I go back and forth on it. You know, it's like they constantly yeah. tap him for these event books and I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they obviously knew they wanted him to begin. He bookended the event by doing the first issue and the last issue. Right. right so. uh, question. True. Is there a finality to Hydra Cap or is he still around in some form? I had forgotten about him. I just figured when Cap beat him, he was gone, but apparently I think he might still be around. He might be. Don't actually... is, right. We don't actually see anything. That's what uh, Tim was uh, saying. I think that'll be addressed in the epilogue issue. There is like an Omega or an epilogue issue after this. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it in like two weeks. Yeah. So we'll find out what happens. But yeah, it's actually not clear. I figured it sounded like that was, it would be something they would bring him back. It was like, oh, I'm not Cap anymore. I'm this character Onslaught or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you mean. And, um, you know, it would probably make it easier for um, the world to forgive Steve Rogers if they actually had like the evil Steve Rogers in prison or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was him. He did it. That was all him, you know? So it was the Red Skull mm-hmm. all the time. Exactly. It'd be funny if the Red Skull takes over that body, you know? Because mm-hmm. he's done in the, he's done in the past. He cloned the cap body and made it for himself. So it wouldn't yeah. be crazy. Oh, I see Matt Wang tweeting at us. Yeah, he, ha- he has been. Ah, uh, what happened to Hydra Cap? Will he be Chlor or the new Stingray? <laughs> oh, <laughs> good old Matt Wang. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was another question I was going to ask you about this issue, but I I totally forgot, so it clearly was not that important. And we see the I also jotted down in my notes that the sort of aftermath was sort of glossed over very quickly. Like Las Las Vegas, we're assuming is still destroyed, and all the people in this town are dead. Yeah, I think what's implied in that again, I rang the spoiler bell, so you guys are all forewarned. Um, there's a couple of things that are assumed to now be as permanent as permanent gets in comics, and I think 
everything that's in that panel that uh, that shows um, the wreckage of Las Vegas still remaining is you know is, is what the the current uh, situation is now, which is that Las Vegas is still trashed, and um, one Natasha Alianova Romanov and uh, one Rick Jones are uh, still dead. Yep. You know that's what's assumed. So and and I guess it helps that the country got to watch good cap beat up evil cap, so they know that I guess they can distinguish. Hey, the one that did all these bad things was that Hydro fellow, right? And the, the guy that remains is the real deal Holyfield. So to speak. <laughs> hmm. so. Oh, there we go. I think I, it wasn't the exact question I was going to ask, but and I was going to mention that um, some would say that Las Vegas is probably already trash. But oh. um, oh. I don't know. I've never been. But uh, so is, is Bearded Cap still Bearded Cap, or is he like? Has he? I guess we still don't know that part yet. Was it, I oh. guess he was Bearded Cap throughout this whole that, thing. That's the, that's the one that showed up to bite that right. guy. Okay. Oh, so he, shows up, he shows up as regular Cap, no beard, old school uh, costume. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, from from the chat, actually, Matt Wangs, because uh, I asked him, uh, what do you think of the issue? And he was like, okay, ending, few good moments, but was expecting more. And I can see why. Yeah, no, absolutely. You got your big moments. You got Cap versus Cap and <clears throat> Hammer Time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, like picking up the hammer. You know, that's, uh, you know, as, as much as we've seen it done over the years, it's still a big deal for, uh, you know, uh, characters to pick it up. You know, it was one of the, uh, it was one of the, uh, the, the, the whatchamacallit, the, the story points early on in the series anyway. But Odin's son didn't question how he was able to do it, I take it, as he has nope. with, with uh, Jane Foster. Because he's seen Cap do it before, exactly. I guess. Right. Exactly. That's how that would be quickly explained away. Mm. Right. And I kind of, you know, and I give um, Spencer some credit because I, I like the um, the page, the, the panels and the script leading up to the moment when um, OG Cap picks up the hammer because, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, it's basically revealed that Hydra Cap was never worthy. But um, it's kind of funny, you know, it's, this is one of those like kind of classic lines that you hear in a million uh, forms of media uh, OG Cap basically says here let me try and it's just a great you know like you can sort of hear in your mind and see in your mind what's going to happen next even before you turn the page hmm. and then they they uh, Kobik feels bad about everything she's done so the heroes that just happen to be around she sends them on a journey of discovery for some strange for reason for some reason exactly like quickly explain the generation one shots that have, yeah, majority have already happened right and what's funny about that is so it was a gift a journey of discovery and this little uh this little kid who is uh you know what all of 10 or less you know emotionally knows yeah you know i'm gonna send you on a journey of discovery was she high <laughs> you know? how would she know to send how would she know to send them on that anyway yeah, exactly that what they needed I, well i think you've already explained it away by saying they had to explain the generations issues some kind of way exactly it just makes me so, laugh you know that that, mm-hmm. that whole that whole thing's like you know i'm gonna send you purposefully on this journey of discovery you know without weed or uh or or, or psychedelic <laughs> drugs come on peyote <laughs> exactly i'm like come on hey you know cosmic powered individual there you go yeah hey, speaking of i guess so i guess by that uh Kobik is still around in some fashion also or did did after she send these folks on this generation mission like is she still around or does she cease to be or i think it's assumed she's still around she doesn't appear on the last pages but i think it's assumed she's still there hmm, so they didn't clean that up interesting okay all right well awesome. notice that the, the cap on the cover yeah the, the cap on the cover laying on the ground looks like chris evans see that see again which i said the, the cap which, that's on the, the that's laying on the ground in the on the cover i'm assuming that's the, the is a cap on the cover yeah down here well is that or is that it's odinson that's, yeah oh. that's thor yeah oh, okay i thought it was because it looked like chris uh, chris evans <laughs> yeah that would definitely give the story away even though they gave it away monday that part of good yeah. cap showing up yeah okay i think we have pretty much rung out secret empire long may it rest <laughs> we'll see where we go from here yeah uh, you know we still got legacy coming up so gosh, gosh 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 all right so let's move on uh what did you guys read well i guess coming off of that and and, and, and i guess that journey of discovery uh generations hawkeye and hawkeye number one all right I, I read it i read it okay so yeah so I, I guess given the explanation that we now have 
have just parsed together from Secret Wars, uh, Secret Empire, we I guess we now know the the underlying reason as to how these people are getting into these predicaments. Uh, although, weirdly enough, um, in this issue, so we see Kate uh, pop up on this island, not necessarily unlike a uh, battle royale. I, I, I would go so far as this way. In fact, this this issue feel like it kind of plays like battle royale, aka uh, PUBG for for those gaming folks. So she finds herself on this island where all of the uh, of the world's greatest marksmen uh, are, and they are duking it out. Some would say f- uh, battle royale style with a hitch, except for nobody. Well, so there's a bunch of villains on the island. They're trying to kill people, but the people that are playing it, quote unquote, right, like uh, our two Hawkeyes here, um, they have these teleportation belts which look like targets, and you hit that, and the person disappears. Which brings up something that's really, really, really strange to me because in the course of this book, so Clint meets, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Kate meets a younger, much, much younger Clint, who I can only parse together as being from probably like um, actually, I'm not even, I'm not even quite sure what era he's from, but we do know it is before he, before Boomerang era, which I don't, I never thought there was a time where he didn't have the Boomerang era, and, and it doesn't seem like it's young, brash, um, um, you know, the the kooky quartet plant, but that's just me trying to trying to throw some sense into this. Um, but anyway, they meet and they have a little sort of standoff, but this Clint seems to be able to trust her, and Kate's not wanting to disrupt the time stream, knowing she's in the past, you know, gives herself a, a, a new nickname that is slightly off of that, and says, you know, she's on a secret mission from um, Black Widow and blah, 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 this and that, so they, so they end up working together, and they uh, get rid of some folks off the island, because, you know, Hawkeye doesn't want to kill anybody, so she tries to get rid of them the, the way through the teleportation belts. Um, so they find the air layer of who seems to be behind this, and also, uh, the swordsman shows up, who, I guess, spoiler alert, you know, may or may not have something to do with it. I'll ring it. I'll ring it. One second. (laughs) But... But also, there is this person that shows up named Eden, who is seemingly in control of the technology that is causing, or seems to be the one who made all of this happen, basically. Because they have seemed to have the technology to make the teleportation belts and you know, watch over the island from whatever the, this command center was. And apparently, this person was Swordsman's protege, so so it was said. But Which almost led me to believe, it was like, wait, wait a minute, so is this person the one that is behind, you know, all of the Generations book? But, like I said, we kind of find out that may not be the case. And she ends up leaving now the strange thing as I was alluding to earlier is you know after after pretty much it's all said and done she gives Clint this re- remote say here whenever you're ready to go um, hit this button and you know and you can go back home again so which leads me to think like wait a minute if, the, if they have the buttons on their belt why would they need the remote and again this is probably me like thinking a little bit too putting too much thought into this this here comic book but you know I, I thought that was rather strange otherwise above and all that I thought it was an enjoyable issue there was some there was a couple of good um, you know amusing uh, events that happened so such as Kate giving Clint the uh, the boring Alvaro, and he's like, "That sounds that, that seems stupid." <laughs> and, a, um, go ahead. No, I was gonna say what's what's I guess different about this character uh, uh, than I guess some of the other young female uh, heroes that are out there, and I guess what she has in common with some of the some of the ones that I, I I just can't follow on a regular basis is that there's times when you know whoever is giving the character voice just makes makes that voice a little bit too annoying. So you know I appreciated the heartfelt. Uh, Make uh, me like Nadia annoying to you yeah. or yeah it's funny is that like i can hear i, I can hear spider gwen and and, and I'll, I'll get to that because what's funny is that there's a different voice behind some of the characters in spider gwen this this uh this month and mm-hmm. i liked it like it actually read like i just kind of enjoyed reading it It was kind of like a cool little uh um bit of uh, dialogue between the characters whereas here until the the kind of like the heartfelt like you know um ch- uh, uh it's actually a monologue <laughs> once you realize what's happening to hawkeye um in uh towards the end of the yeah. issue 
um it, you know once you know the, that heartfelt part is good but you know up until that point you know there, there's there's definitely elements of oh man she's getting annoying i guess i you know i don't know i i know it's, it's, like it's exactly yeah. you know if we're uh you know it's um uh you know it's uh di- different strokes for different folks right sure you know um i was going to say something oh here we go the and i guess as actually kind of what um age of seven was kind of saying also that whole heartfelt um uh monologue near the end of the book is kind of an underlying theme of most of for what i'm seeing from the generations books that i've read is the quote-unquote you know is this journey of discovery slash you know um kind of delving into the whole mentor mentee yeah uh, like that is pretty much the whole thing of these of these generation books if you are the ones who are, who are curious and didn't know and was curious about what these generation books were about right that's pretty much seem to be what it is right i mean these and the legacy books obviously i mean we, we actually touched on this in previous shows now that marvel actually legitimately has legacy characters you know which they lacked for such a long time uh they're you know they're diving head first into you know exploring uh you know the relationships between the mentors and the mentees you know the legacy character and the og character so um you know uh, this is just another example of that and we're going to get more of it with the remaining generations and um the legacy books right and i would say that there's been at least a very least one or two times where this uh this uh has happened and not without it being a generation book to to uh to a great to a great deal right because it's one thing to deal with the mentor mentee relationship in the present day but going and dealing with previous versions that are not familiar with each other and seeing uh, uh, the mentor in a different light and in a different time you know i guess that's where the uh, enlightenment and the additional uh um gift of the vanishing comes right so all right so uh, it looks like yeah that's so that's pretty much the jab and and also the only thing i was going to bring up is that um the part where where uh kate gives clint uh, the the boomerang arrow which is also a callback to when he gave her the arrow back in um but um um fractions run of hawkeye was kind of funny because i was like well wait a minute does that mean that she's the one who introduced him to him before he introduced it to her (laughs) okay yeah it's like okay let me just get rid of that so that's funny all right so it looks like tim just has one other book to talk about so let's roddy you and i kind of maybe not rapid fire it but just kind of work through our review books sure i mean it'll pretty much kind of be that anyway but yeah we could do that all right so what else did you read to see if there's anything we had in common Um, uh that mace window book and black panther no i read oh okay yeah i see you read both of the black panther books this week right all right so you want to do uh you want to revisit the uh clone wars sure i you know i don't have the problem with it as as a lot of people do although i do see the the problems with especially the second (laughs) the second the uh uh, movie of the prequels so therefore star wars fortunately that that's what that's the movie that this book really touches upon and the after kind of yeah but luckily it wasn't the stupid part like it you know but and the book we're talking about before we go any further is star wars jedi of the republic mace windu number one um so yes as as the name implies this book has to do with uh one master mace windu before his literal falling out of the window by the emperor which was, yeah so uh, like i was saying earlier the, the the splash page of this book actually does touch upon the events that uh that ended uh the second episode of the prequels so coming out of the events of that movie uh the jedi council is uh you know moving to uh deal with some of the uh, uh i guess the the issues that are coming up with um becoming more military uh uh like as opposed to the uh the monk like existence that they had enjoyed up to that point mm-hmm. because they are tasked with leading the uh, armies of the republic and one of the things that comes up in this is you know the the, the jedi aren't necessarily comfortable with that role and some um, specifically more than others right and uh this story kind of weaves some of that discussion in and out of the i guess what the arc of this uh, book is going to involve which is an a-team like mission that mace window mace windu aka um hannibal smith is on because he is 
the leader of um, an elite group of Jedi who were tasked with. Uh, well, I don't know about elite, but definitely a group, of, <laughs> you know, a, a handpicked group of, of uh, individuals for certain. Well, come on, there's a BA, there is a face, and there's sort of a Murdoch in there too. So well, I guess, yeah, I, yeah, I guess exactly. So in in that being said, this also introduces another a couple of new characters into the Star Wars mythos. Um, that being two younger Jedi of the, I guess you could say the the Murdoch, and although less crazy, um, and I guess I guess that other character would be facing this in this uh, in this case, right? So, and apparently one of them is a, is a big fan of uh, Mace Windu's to a, to almost Miss Marvel fanboy type degree. Mm-hmm. So, I, which I find is funny, and also the so the name of that character, which I, which is probably going to come up again if you follow my Instagram, uh, is called Risa Manos or something like that. Um, Risa Manos, yeah, yeah, Mano, and I kind of want to call her Risa M Baby for for. for a reason to which like probably one person out there will know hold um, on there is a sound effect for this and i'm going to play it because <laughs> okay yeah, yeah yeah whatever but <laughs> justified um but yeah so the so the, the question of this is the um the team getting put together mace windows having some some doubts and, and talking to one um kai mundi uh, yeah before high and also master yoda before going on this mission but then we jump into you know the makeup of the team and then we get into the move uh, the mission itself to which apparently there are stealth robes involved because the whole plot is the separatist are um, basically taking over planets little by little, trying to encroach. And um, this is the Jedi starting to, uh, I mean, this is the Jedi wanting to put the kibosh on that. So this team is tasked with finding out what they're trying to do and putting the brakes on it. So we find them going to this planet and um, starting their mission. And we also find out that there is a, um, the the big bad, according to uh, is a mercenary droid that we see at the end of this issue, which I almost thought for about two seconds was General Grievous. Grievous? Mm-hmm. Un- until the the reveal, but knowing there was no coughing or anything, that one that was not the case in this. Wait, when was Grievous was introduced in, in the second movie? I think I don't know. Um, I'm trying not. To, I'm trying not to remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, now that you kind of uh, summarized the uh, the book, um, the, the 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 droid troopers. I did not know they had this much personality. Have they, they displayed yeah, no, right? personality at any other point in any other medium? Yes. Okay. I mean, well, yes. Short short answer is yes. Not to disagree. Maybe. Because oh. there is, yeah, not to disagree. Because yes, there is, there is that. More, I think I know the exact panel you're talking about. Because because one of the battle droids says something like, "Well, that seems strange." Well, there's a but lot of there. times. No, there's a lot of times. Because one of the, one of the panels is like, ah, "How many times must I tell you not to call me?" And that, you know, like when did well, these battle droids ever well, say that? That was the that was the big. I think that was the big bad droid, wasn't it? I thought, or no, no, you're right. It was another battle droid. You're right, right. and because they were taking the information to the the big, uh, big bad. Yeah. So yes, they have. And actually, it's been in the movies that where they have. The, the, display that kind of you know emotion for the group so yeah one of them in the movies and the show yeah i was gonna say one of them does a hank mccoy impression says oh my stars i was like and Garth. yeah i know right and one of them says short circuit like sweet christmas type of deal <laughs> so you know it's it's kind of funny that uh you know that the these battle droids were given so much personality in this book so yeah yeah it's it's not uh, it's not uncharacteristic of them to to have that because like i said especially during the, the prequels and the clone wars they have shown to be to have some comedic responses okay yeah all right so what's next on our list well since um, I will since we're on the Star Wars kick, I will go ahead and do Star Wars thirty five. All right, uh, and real quickly, the gist is Mon Mothma asks Han to um, take Gracchus the Hut uh, to the Outer Rim to keep him safe because he's been in, in and out of custody, and they're trying to get um, because Gracchus seems to have this store of um, weapons and money that the, the the Resistance could use. 
So um, Hannes has to take him, or at least as we are first led to believe, to take him to a secure location now that the um, the base, the, the, the jail near the, 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 the sun has been compromised and is no longer in service and the Empire is looking for him, uh, they decide to take him somewhere safe. But what really is going on is they're actually not trying to get, they're not trying to take him to a certain place, even though they do. They're getting the information of where he is storing said um, money and ammunition and stuff because they know good and well that he's not going to you know easily give them this the the uh, information so um apparently this is a plan made by han and one of the generals and during the course of the issue a couple of things happen some some uh imperials come by which seems to be a part of the plan they board the, the falcon now and you know a series of events happen grokas ends up thinking he takes over but no han and the general had this planned out all along and they get the information they want and um all is well now my question about this issue is how the hell did they get Grokas on the, the Falcon? Because as we have seen through through the cinematic visions, the 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 gate the plankway to the Falcon is not that wide, and huts are you are pretty big. So I think about this stuff. I know not everybody does. You were thinking of his birth rather than the fact that he's slithering around because they did have him well, on like yeah. something. So I did well, yeah, and he had in his legs and whatnot. And well, he wasn't slithering because yeah, because they gave him legs and you know the, the huts. Didn't they, huh? they had him on a platform. I think I remember flipping through it. No, no. Well, uh, no. Well, he has legs. Oh, okay. They, like they have like spider legs or something, which so they have shown huts in the past, in in previous past, uh, to have legs or to, uh, you know articulate legs, I should say. Some so, type of motor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, they get around when they want to, basically. Specifically, like rockets, because you know I think some of the other ones like just kind of lay there, whatever. And yeah, as we have seen in the movies, apparently they gave Jabba some movement in her legs or whatever. And that's which just sounds crazy. But nevertheless, like I said, that was pretty much the forefront of my mind through part of that because I'm like, well, wait, that seems impossible. But whatever, it was a pretty good issue. Like this is pretty much, uh, I guess this arc is basically a bunch of one shots because as we've seen the last the last few um there was a luke and leia one there was sana and lando in the last one and the next one is is a purely r2 d2 focused issue which i'm which i'm not sure how many more of these the, those issues are they going to do but they've been interesting before i guess they get into a, a different full arc or something all right it's good all righty so how about we move to the Tahan and hasty coats uh corner of the marvel U? sure oh yeah we can do that too so i read one of the two black panther books out this week i read the uh the main series black panther which prominently features an x-man i'm not spoiling anything she's on the cover i'm referring to storm and basically right and basically this is kind of a love letter to the uh the period of time in marvel comics history when uh aurora and t'challa were married and were king and queen of wakanda and um it kind of uh gives uh gives that nostalgic nod to some of the uh wakandans themselves within the issue Mm -hmm. it allows uh you know some of the uh the, the 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 people on the ground in Wakanda to remember what it was like to uh, to actually have a uh, a full monarchy in in, in place um, uh, in, at the head of Wakanda and, and uh, not just yeah not just that but Storm's other role you know as as in the past being um, worshipped as a as a goddess and right. the Wakandas have had some also some sort of fealty to her in that respect right even before she was their queen right um, again this is um, part of the continuing story about the uh, the dearth and the uh, the 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 removal and the death of the uh, Wakandan deities um, left and right and uh, some other um, beings kind of uh, trying to come in and take over. Yeah, I was about to say coming not to not necessarily to take their place but to, to uh, eradicate those who don't believe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this was a good book. I mean, this was a good issue. Like there was some stuff, if you're not really up on what's been going on in the last few issues, there 
there probably will be some things that will be lost to you. Um, but and they don't touch on a couple of things in like the last issue specifically. Um, that being the kidnapping of uh, T'Challa's friend. Um, but I guess there will be going back into that uh, probably next issue at some point of that. Um, I would like to also point out that I am holding up the a variant cover because I could not find the um the, the regular cover from okay. the comic shop that I had to go to. Cool. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the, like this was a, it was a good issue. Uh, if you are up on what's going on in the in the um in the panels of this book, I think you will appreciate it. And uh, also, if you are one of the ones uh, like myself who shipped to T'Challa and Aurora's relationship, this doesn't really delve that far into it, but it kind of touches on it. So, and I think you would appreciate that. Alrighty, what's next? Um, well, keeping to the Black Panther corner of the the uh, of the world, sadly. Um, this Black Panther and the crew number six, which happens to be the last issue of this book. Um, so yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot to say about it because basically ends the book and wraps things up in a not complete fashion because I, because it seems like, I don't know if they caught, if they're, if the, uh, the ending of this book caught them unawares or or something, but it seems like they just kind of wrapped up certain things like not, not necessarily nice and neat, but, um, they just pretty much got to an end basically. So if you have been keeping up with this book, the, um, we have our crew in the present that's been that's been put together to be to to investigate the murder of um, a shared colleague of all of the crew uh, in one Ezra that I can't remember his last name who had a crew of his own back in the times so back in the days of um, the back in the sixties. Um, we have seen this book from back then, and then we see the the investigation of uh, the murder, which ended up being more than just the, the investigation of the murder of uh, the murder at times. In that Hydra has something to do with what's been going on with uh, Harlem, and apparently in this issue they, you know, they don't really do much to to put it anywhere else outside of the fact of that. But um, so yeah, we get Edra's point of view from back in the day and the problems he had with his crew later on because they had some falling out because of some things that they were doing that weren't in the the vein of what they originally got together for. Um, and as the last issue, we found out that Hydra was the one that gave them all the powers. Cutting to the the present, we come to find out like. I said previously that Hydra is um, doing something with with Harlem. Uh, we weren't entirely sure what what it was, with the exception of the, the fact that they've been causing uh, emotions to run high, as if to cause some kind of uh, war to go on. And the Maricops has been there putting a curfew on Harlem, which adds to the tension quite easily. Um, and in this issue, we come to find out that uh, Zinzi, one of the the villains from the Black Panther comic, actually is the one that is uh, causing people's emotions to run high. Although they don't say that specifically, we see her, we see a panel of her pop in and pop out, you know. So, I and I guess if you, like I said, are up under Black Panther, you would kind of know, well, that's who this is. And so clearly she's the one that's been doing this. But also there is still some Hydra leaning behind it. Um, but all of that just goes to, so to say that, okay, well, here's what's happened. Here's, you know, we, we see this person has something to do with it. Um, the other person who was the one that was behind um, Ezra's death in the present was a family member and we we get some sort of reasoning from them as to why they do it and they get taken care of or at least they take care of themselves with one fail hardy uh, nose dive off of the roof and a hell heart hydra and then we just get a nice neat well you know what there's still work to be done and we're still the crew and we are the streets and the book ends just all nice and neat like I said there was, there was some stuff in this issue that probably if it had another issue or two could have been fleshed out but again being that this um this uh book was not long for this world for whatever stupid reasons Marvel ginned up for it um, is the case. And there's that. I had my own reasons for dropping it. <laughs> 
which was it wasn't all that entertaining. <laughs> like you said earlier, you know, exactly different strokes. Yeah. You know, I definitely understood why it wasn't able to capture an audience. You know, it's unfortunate that way. Sometimes a book kind of needs to get its footing before it can really run. So yeah, I think if they've given it some time, it could have. But I, there are books I, that just need to kind of. Kind I, still, of I was going to say, I still, I still think they give some books way too much of a leash. You know what I mean? And a book like this maybe didn't get enough of one. Exactly, I agree. You know? And there's some books that get too much of a leash and they just go nowhere and they end up getting canceled anyway so you know you get the same result it just takes longer or they still happen to go come out and regardless of what sales are i don't know if there's that many books out there like that now because i think one or two that i can probably think of but that's just my personal which books probably deadpool but that's just me like i think deadpool doesn't sell i didn't say it doesn't sell i just think this oh that's so yeah i was about to say that's you know i was about to say you got to put two and two together that's the thing you got to put those Mm -hmm. both both of those aspects together because think about it there's so many deadpool (laughs) spinoff books the problem is they are putting too much behind like it's the batman problem there are too many books with this one character and they're not putting enough behind other books of course. That serve other uh, serve other markets, or that serve other tastes, I should say. No, that's absolutely right. You know, what it is is they're looking for that uh, lightning in the bottle that uh, the vision was, and what they're hoping is Mr. Miracle. Right. So, anyway, it looks like we're you're down to one book now, so let me run off uh, some rapid fire, and Tim will be able to get the one other book that he got in this week. So, mm-hmm. we are officially in rapid fire. All right. So, uh... I'll lead off rapid fire with Spider-Gwen number 23. Um, this is kind of a nice little interlude issue because where we last left uh, Spider-Gwen and uh, the Earth-65 Wolverine, they were in Madripoor with uh, Harry Osborn. So this issue is a, is an interlude that uh, details what's happening in New York with the Mary Janes. There is a great opening sequence that's uh, definitely breaking uh, fourth wall with um, with uh, Earth-65's um, Watcher, whose name is not to but Utau and uh, you know it took me a second to figure out um, that they had changed the spelling of the name to make it a different watch altogether so uh, I definitely recommend uh, reading that section just so just so that you can kind of um, appreciate a little bit of humor writing um, when it comes to dealing with a, a, a slightly different watcher character I also wanted to note that this is co-written by Hannah Blumenreich with Jason Latour the regular Spider-Gwen writer and the difference in tone and art shows because Hannah Blumenreich does the majority of the art in this issue uh, with Jordan Gibson while Robbie Rodriguez does uh, an opening sequence, does the opening sequence involving uh, the Earth-65 Watcher. Um, essentially, uh, the book, uh, the, the main part of the story revolves around the band uh, called the Mary Janes, made up of uh, Mary Jane Watson, Betty Brant, and um, uh, Glory, and Glory Grant. No, I was going to say, I remember that they uh, that uh, her last name was Grant. Uh, so you have the, uh, the three members, the three remaining members of the Mary Janes, um, basically trying to figure out what to do when uh, Spider-Gwen is basically uh, MIA. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of um, stuff. A lot of stuff happens uh, while they're trying to set up a gig that features just the three of them. And there's just a lot of great little um, uh, bits, uh, bits of dialogue, bits of character development. And all in all, for an issue that doesn't feature the main character at all, it was an enjoyable read. So, you know, and, and, and I felt like the, uh, the co-writing team 
really found uh, excellent voices that were not annoying. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to uh, make these supporting characters shine, but they're given the space in this issue, and they definitely do shine. Um, infamous Iron Man number 11 is a Doctor Strange visits Doctor Doom in jail story, and we're treated to a quote-unquote friendly interaction between the two. And what's revealed in this issue is, I presume, the big bad behind everything that's been happening. Uh, I believe this series is going to end soon, so I think they're looking to wind up the story. So if you're looking to catch up on what's been happening, I suggest you maybe go back a few issues before issue number 11 to get a feel of where we are, and then you can read this issue and see where we're headed. One of the surprising books this week that I found entertaining was Thanos number 10. So I really have not kept up with this book, and I just sort of read it on a whim this week. And considering that this is the week of uh, Jack Kirby's 100th birthday, I definitely felt a new God's feel with this issue of Thanos, where everything from there's a, there's almost like there's a a, a a Marvel version of the Source Wall that uh, that Thanos has uh, become entrenched in, and basically Thanos is given um, a form of uh, a peace by uh, basically uh, giving him uh, the hero's life, and it's just so disconcerting to read and trying to figure out what the heck is going on, and ultimately um, you know Thanos's uh, uh, trip into the Marvel version of the Source Wall uh, results in him reaffirming his evil and uh, 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 tyran- tyrannical nature. Um, and meanwhile, the uh, the other story, the other part of the uh, the overarching story is uh, involves Thane and his um, his quest to uh, one kill his father and two you know become even more powerful than than his father. Um, uh, the these two uh, stories are coming together. I don't know if this series is ending soon, but it has that feel that it might be because um, it looks it's like there. It's not because it does re- feel like it's reaching a climax. So maybe it's just the climax of the story arc. Former guest, guest of the, the, the show, Donny Cates. Nice. So that's what this is. That's what this is. They're leading up to going right. back to DC. Gotcha. They're leading up to the climax in the story. I think we're so, we're probably so used to books that seem like they're coming to an end because they are right, and they, they start to have that feel. I think that's probably why. Right. <laughs> why it seems like that. Like we don't know if it's the end of the arc or the end of the book. Right. So and finally for me, uh, Tim, I don't know if you want to jump in or just let me finish with Uncanny Avengers number twenty six. Um, I will just summarize this issue because the main the gist of the issue is yes, we forgive you, Wanda, for the umpteenth time. That's the gist of it. Sounds good to me, but I haven't read it yet, but I will at some point. All right, you've got your one book. Oh yeah, let me. I was trying to get cover for Uncanny Avengers up, but oh, sorry, no worries. I you know when I have a rapid review like that, you know, there's no point in putting up the cover. Jean Grey number six was my second and last book of the week. Jean visits Doctor Strange to perform an exorcism. Uh, she's being haunted not by the Phoenix, but by her adult counterpart. It kind of makes it look like, or maybe her Phoenix controlled. There's a lot of jumping back and forth between different uh, adult Jean Grey's history that we get to see, like the Jim Lee or the X-Men when they're fighting the Acolytes. We see her, Cyclops, and I guess during the, was that Grant Morrison era? It was like a love triangle between the three of them. I'm looking now. I'm not really sure who was the creator behind that. those stories. It kind of ends with Doctor Strange not being able to hear the voices that Gene still hears. Hmm. I know some people were online were talking about this being like a Phoenix revealed in this issue, but... You're kind of going in and out there, Tim. I was saying, I saw people online talking about the history of the Phoenix revealed. Hmm. That must have went over my head this issue. Hmm. Well, I guess with that 1 million BC coming and what was revealed in uh, that last week's uh, Thor Generations book, I guess maybe they're trying to... Well, also the the, uh, the Jean Grey the uh, Generations book also. Right, that's, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Alright, all right, clicks of the week uh, time! Well, I got one more book. What do you got? What was left? But, um, 
No. What was left? Okay. Uh, American number six. Oh, that's it. I see it at the bottom. Yeah. So, real quick, um, after the events of last issue, uh, America gets captured by this old flame of hers who kind of came back into the picture because this old flame's pops got uh, kidnapped and uh, wanted her to uh, go up against America in this um, boxing match, what seemed like. That was done, that was uh, put together by Arcade, but Arcade put this together uh, because he was being hired to buy some, well, not so mindless, a real dapper looking not so mindless one, and someone else who is revealed at the end of this issue to be someone that America fought uh, earlier, well, I guess in the first couple of issues, basically. Um, but Kate Bishop and the Marymar, who we come to find out to be uh, America's grandmother that she did not know she had, that's been kind of um, popping around trying to get her to notice her, or trying to get her uh, to connect with her, um, finally reveals herself as her, uh, as America's grandmother, because America, every other time that she's shown up, did not want to have anything to do with her. So she finally just up and reveals the fact that she's a grandmom, and uh, during the course of uh, fighting these mindless ones and whatnot, America gets a new power called the Power Stomp, and apparently she has another run that's uh, a couple other ones that are between that and another couple that are wrestling wrestling inspired, seeming like, judging by the names. They get called up uh, during the course of uh, this issue, uh, but it, it pretty much goes from, okay, well, the fight is going on, we reveal why, why the, the girl kidnapped uh, America. Uh, Kate Bishop and the Miramar come in and uh, free the dad on the other side of this, and then get her get him and the girl who she was fighting out of this and then Miramar like I said comes back and helps out America and reveals herself and uh, near the end um, they pretty much are like well okay I now that I know you're here I'm gonna I want to correct connect with you but I'm still in school so you can't just keep coming popping in and, and you know encroaching on my life basically so they pop off into a star portal and that ends the book forever what he said forever no 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 just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the way things the way things work nowadays that like hey, this could have been the end of it. But no, no, the book is still going. All right, for the time being. So this was just so now. Oh, we got now we have clicks of the week. Hmm. Hmm. Mine's easy because it's only you have two to choose from. Oh no! Wait, wait. Let me guess. Secret Empire. G yes. Gray. Oh. <laughs> All right. Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, I'm actually torn between Secret Empire number 10, which I did enjoy, and of all things, Spider-Gwen number 23, which is just kind of out of left field, but I think I'm going to uh, second the Secret Empire number 10 uh, vote because, again, I'm a sucker for cool cat moments. Hmm. Okay, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's there's been some there's been things I've enjoyed about this week, but nothing like just blew my mind as standouts, so this was uh, slightly hard for me. Um, and I guess, you know, I... I Shout out to Mace Windu book because that was all right, and shout out to Star Wars. But I think I am going to give it to the Departed um, Black Panther and the Crew number six. This book could have been something it had to get a, given a chance to live, and it sucks that it's gone. So there. Alrighty. And on that note, I think uh, at Tim Dog ninety eight is getting ready to head out. He is, but I want to wish everyone a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Labor Day weekend. Yep, you got any? I may, um, may not pop, plug, plug. I may hopefully Sunday at Dragon Con in Atlanta. What? Yep. More than likely Sunday. When you say and hopefully, it will be a video. No, I'm just gonna go drive up for the day. And come <laughs> when you say appear, I thought you were gonna be a featured panel guest or something, like a panelist or something. Yeah. When you say appear, that's what it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> maybe a walking patron. Gotcha. 
Hey, maybe one day they'll they'll let us have a panel on at, at Dragon Con. There you go. Enjoy, man. That's this weekend. Yeah. Yes. Ooh. I guess it, technically it start start today, but I guess it really gets off tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. Basically, usually. Mm. Yeah, it's scary because it yeah, as I was say, it's almost September. It's almost September. I'm starting to see people get their New York Comic Con badges. It's crazy. I guess the IMAX premiere of the Inhumans was tonight. And hmm. oh, okay. And um, so, <laughs> I, I do have an IMAX theater here. But... <laughs> Tim, real quick, did you finish Defenders? I did. All right. So I know Roddy Cat may still be finishing Iron Fist? Uh, I haven't, no. I haven't started? Correct. correct. You're, you're correct. I have not. So we may, for fans of uh, our uh, treasury editions where we go, where we deep dive into some of the uh, movies and TV shows that we don't always have time for on our regular Convo Chronicles, um, we will discuss whether or not we're going to do one. It has been two weeks now since it's been released, so we may be clear of uh, spoiling it for most people who want to watch it, but there are people like Rydicat who are still trying to catch up on some of the other Netflix stuff so that they can uh, go in with uh, all the info that they need. So just be on the lookout for a future Treasury Edition um, discussing the Defenders Netflix series. And apparently one Matt Wang says, if we name drop him, uh, we could probably get a panel at uh, Dragon Con, and I don't doubt that at all. <laughs> I'll make sure to, to name drop him then. There you go. <laughs> all right, Tim. So you got anything else you want to plug before you go? Or that's it. Oh, I guess that's it. That's it. All righty. Later, Tim. Take it easy. Later. And with Tim Dog departing for the evening, that leads us into our first ad read. So let me tell you about Skull Candy. Skull Skullcandy makes the best headphones, earbuds, and gaming headsets, all with lifetime warranties. Skullcandy produces many types of audio accessories, including headphones, sports earbuds, Xbox and PlayStation gaming headsets, DJ headphones, and iPod and MP3 headphones. And now, for the listeners of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles, Skullcandy offers free standard shipping on your order. To help keep our podcast free, order from Skullcandy by going to cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcasts Free link. Click on the Skullcandy banner, and then shop for high quality audio accessories with free standard shipping. Skullcandy Audio through CSPN.us. Do it today. And we lead into the news! Yes, and um, with that, and I need to get better about, uh, well, Roddy needs to get better. Hello, folks. Uh, I am Dark Trent, and I will be taking over the news section uh, for Roddy Cat for the moment. How you doing? How you doing, everybody? You look like Roddy Cat, except with glasses. <laughs> you know, I get, that. I get that a lot. I don't know what I, I've, you know, I've only met him recently. Everybody says that. I don't see the resemblance. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't uh. get it. But um, I will be your news person for the time, and apparently Roddy supplied a bunch of whole bunch of news that I'm needing to, that I'm basically stalling to put the links out to because he didn't do it. Lazy freaker. You know, us small time reporters just don't have time. You know, we, we're busy people. We, we gotta... You know. Wait a second. <laughs> so, producer at DragonCon liked the tweet that we were all mentioned in that... Uh... <laughs> That says if we name drop Matt, uh, at Matt Wang ninety seven, we could probably get a panel at Dragon Con. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, but you know, th- I mean, there's always that you know, they're Dragon Con as you know, they're they're basically watching that net war- word. So that's um, that's possibly why. But at the same time, it's probably Matt. Yeah, <laughs> it's too funny. It is too funny. That's crazy. So if we do end up getting a panel on Dragon Con, <laughs> you know why? <laughs> anyway, we're moving I mean, on. These guys, these guys, I should say, because I'm just a small time 
Chicago Reporter. Anyway, uh, first up, we have cinematic news in that Ray prepares for training in new Star Wars 8 image. Yeah, she's neither washing, or she's not uh, waxing on or waxing off. We'll put it that way. Yeah, and apparently Maz Kanata's, uh, aka the, the beautiful Lupita Nyong'o's role in uh, the Star Wars Last Jedi has been revealed, apparently. Underwater. Right. How does Ray deal with that, everybody? I tell you, gee, Willie. Okay, how do I sound now? Better. Good. All right, so next story is the Black Panther's sister will appear in Avengers Infinity War. So uh, yes, the sure actress in Infinity yeah, Wars. The actress yeah. has the actress Letitia Wright has been officially added to the growing cast of Infinity War. Who uh, she's the uh, actress who plays Shuri. We're waiting for our um, our invitation to to be in Infinity War and Black Panther since everybody else in creation has been been um, it's a, it's a gigantic ensemble cast. Yes. So look for us somewhere in the background to one of those scenes. Hopefully, the speaking part. Anyway, mm. um, first Ant Man. I know, right? That's true. Uh, first Ant-Man 2 image reveals Wasp's costume. So I, I kind of um, wish it wasn't as dark, wasn't that dark. But at the same time, I see the inspiration from the Ant-Man costume. Well, and also um, Nadia's costume. Excuse me. There seems to be some um, some some um, reference, some likeness to. Yeah, but yeah. So if you remember the end of uh, Ant-Man for the first Ant-Man movie, you saw the costume because it showed up there prominently, right. or uh, more specifically, the uh, the end credit scene. Mm-hmm. And now we see. Uh, Evangeline Liddy, especially um, this was on the set, and um, the picture of her in the suit came as a part of her saying um, honoring Jack Kirby's birthday, actually. So as you can see, in the, if you're watching the video, she says uh, in her tweet, tweet uh, I am honored to be on set today playing the Wasp on what would be Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Hashtag thank you, Jack Kirby, and man, the Wasp. But I thought that was cool. So next up. Alrighty. Um, This was a cool video. <laughs> Sorry. Autoplay video yeah. doesn't interrupt the read. Um, Misty Knight. At the end, uh, at some point in Defenders, we all know it's going to happen. I'm not really yeah. spoiling Body Cat. Right. I'm not really yeah, spoiling Body Cat. Who is, we yeah, said, comments, you know this is a thing. So that's, and, yeah, so this is not a thing. I'm not worried about this one. Exactly. So what's been revealed is that the season two first look at Luke Cage has revealed that Misty Knight has acquired. I'm going to ring the bell anyway because there's people out there. Mm-hmm. She's acquired a bionic arm, and it looks yes, and it is it is not the what would be the Stark issued one. This looks like it's a proto. I'm, I'm you know Might this is like, model, yeah, you know, yeah. It's implied, right? It kind of has like that unfinished look, and I think that's what implies that it's still kind of a uh, you know the early model of the bionic arm. It's not basically the final, uh, it's not the final uh, uh, fully weaponized version that we've all come to know, right? And maybe at some point she will get that in season two of Luke, Luke Cage. We don't know, but regardless, we you know as tragic as it is you know to, for a person to lose an arm but it is a comic book story that yeah, exactly it's part of the story that we know that happens and get a badass bionic one so you know it's part this of is what some, this is what fans have been kind of waiting for which is, sounds like it's kind of kind of bad to say but at the same time eh, no it's like mm-hmm. this is the Misty Knight and she gets her arm or an arm I should say so and not much is really known about you know the, whether she's going to get you know her what we know to be her iconic arm and whether it's going to come from Stark or which I gotta I gotta think it'll probably be like eh this is from this is from TS. Thank you for your service. Something like that, and someone from Tar- Stark. It, assuming that happens in Luke Cage, like something like that will probably happen. And with a note from some nameless Stark Enterprise person, we'll see. You know? Yeah, we'll see. But other than that, Simone Missick looking badass with the arm with with Mike Coulter there in the picture and Cole Coolsville. Next up, uh, Ray Fisher calls DCEU cyborg different for a new era. Quote unquote. Uh, so during a recent uh, appearance, Ray Fisher was talking about his version. I guess he was being asked about um, his version of cyborg and what how 
how he's going to play it. And he goes on to say that, you know, he basically says that, you know, he, he grew up on the, um, you know, the Kari Payton voiced uh, version of uh, Cyborg, but he's basically doing his own thing. Okay. But he's going to try to do j- justice as a character. That's paraphrasing. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> so in our next story, Etta Candy is on a mission in the first clip from uh, the Wonder Woman uh, movie's new epilogue. I guess with the home release, there's going to be an epilogue that's going to feature uh, Etta Candy, the Golden Age comic superstar played in the film by Lucy Davis. Yes. Which is cool because that, that character didn't have a whole lot to do. I enjoyed that character. Um, yes. Next up, uh, Vixen animated series to air on the CW. So the the five minute chunk at a time whole version, which I think ended up being a half an hour, is going to show. Um, actually, yeah, the first two seasons will air on Wednesday, October 30th, which means it's already happened. So you missed it, um, but it was probably still on CW Seed yeah. for, for anyone who's missed it. And it's also out on video if you if you are so inclined. Alrighty. So in our next story, in our next yeah. story, that's Guillermo del Toro referencing uh, the Hellboy reboot that uh, I'm going to talk about now. So Ed Scrine, the actor who had been cast as uh, uh, what was this character's name? Daimo. Uh, ben, yeah. Ben Major Daimo. Ben Daimo. Yeah, Daimo. Daimo. Right. So Major Ben Daimo, a character uh, in the Hellboy comics that uh, uh, was uh, originally uh, portrayed as Japanese in uh, the Hellboy books and whose uh, ancestry had played a role in the stories. Um, Ed Scrine had been cast as that character and had uh, received some backlash because of whitewashing um, accusations against the, uh, the film's creators. Uh, it turns out that uh, Ed Scrine, uh walked away from the from the role and uh, cited uh, the controversy and um, didn't want you know and he didn't want to be a part of it. So uh, good on him. Yeah, totally good. You know, and there were people on, on Twitter that's been giving him his spots for doing that, and um, so cool. Now the one thing, and this is just me, I recognize. So whatever, but I'm thinking, did he know about this role being the character's background in this role when he took it? Five will get you ten. The character's background was not part of the test script that he got, or and he didn't look at the comics, right? And he didn't look at comics. Well, there was that too, or or and or it was, and maybe someone thought, and he at the time didn't think that there was going to be any pushback on it. Yeah, that's probably it too. But I my my gut says if they're not going into it reading the comics ahead of time and they're just looking at the script, they're not going to know if it's not actually put in the script. So you know if that's what the creators of the movie intended, then it's more than likely that the character that the actor's walking in blind. I'm willing to give the actor maybe seventy percent of the 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 doubt because I don't think all of these characters read up before they get the part. That part probably yes. I think I think the majority of them do not read up on the source material before they get the part. I think there's a few that do because they know what they're getting into, especially if it's a Mm -hmm. named character like Captain America. You know, like I'm fairly certain that uh, when uh, Marvel was pitching uh, Captain America to Chris Evans, Chris Evans knew what he was getting into, and that's why he kept turning it down. You know, he was familiar enough with the source material, knowing that you know this this was going to drag on and on. It was going to be a major character in all of these movies because of you know just being even vaguely familiar with the character. But when you're getting something like this, where it's like a secondary character, I'm willing to give the actors a little bit more uh, leeway when it comes to not being completely familiar with the character's background. Like I said, I I'm more willing to believe that it's not even listed in the description of the character when they get the script for a test. Yeah, I I don't know. I I agree with that, but I, at the same time, I kind of have trouble with that. But I I, I would I kind of more believe that the fact that they has that would that would kind of that would happen more often than not. But mm-hmm. I don't know. That's still slightly hard to believe in in a case. But moving right along, actually, um, Flashpoint will have ties to Shazam, which I guess I should have saved for a story that would happen then before this movie. Oh thing, for God's sake! And goddamn it, sites right. sites with their auto playing. Hate that shit. This is why I block. Right. Ed block. Anyway, next up, Professor Mark. 
Marston and the Wonder Woman gets character posters and new release dates. And the release date is um, a limited release of October 13th uh, in theaters. Uh, the news came courtesy of Angela Robinson, who is directing the biopic. Now, if you don't know, um, William Moulton Marston is the creator of Wonder Woman. And uh, this book will will uh, be a, is a biopic uh, based off of, I have no idea what book it is off of. But nevertheless, it will follow Dr. Dr. Marston and his uh, polyamorous relationship with his wife, Elizabeth, and uh, mistress lover. I don't know why it's called a mistress, but whatever. Olive Byrne, uh, and that who helped inspire him to create the character of Wonder Woman. So if you're a fan of Wonder Woman and, and are curious about that, go look through your local listings uh, in the next month or so to see if that's being played near you. All right. I don't know why my voice just went up that high, but yeah. In our next story, the Shazam movie begins pre-production. Uh... Yeah, that's you pretty much, yeah, that's summed it up. So yeah, um, I keep wanting to call him the Andy Samberg, but David Samberg tweeted out or or on Instagram what looks to be a, I guess this is his ritual on on um, movies, he, his uh, soda consumption. I don't, yeah, whatever. But like the uh, sound effects said, crickets. Mm-hmm. We don't know when we're what Shazam's are going to be at this point. Uh, next up, Marvel's The Punisher reveals episode titles in Morse code. Really? Yes. So this <laughs> afternoon, <laughs> the, actually kind uh, of cool. Yes. So actually, this is a couple of days ago. But yeah, the, the official Twitter account for the show um, delivered one title in international Morse code every five minutes, leaving it up to fans to translate. Uh, presumably, wow. the titles were treated treated out of order. Here's a chronological list, and so, and so this article has a list of what they what the the titles are. And if you're watching the video, you will see the list. Wow. Which I, again, I like. I like that, that that was cool. Like, I mean, um, that's just thinking a little bit out of the box. You know, someone thought that that's actually not something that would be you know so obvious to the social media person. You know, actually, the title. yes and no because I think I've noticed uh, specifically when uh, Luke Cage happened, there was a similar. Um, similar announcement because um, Cheo uh, Coker put out the titles as Gangstar titles, which the, the titles of, uh, um, you know, the titles of the episodes were. Oh, that I remember. Taking it, yeah. So there is, there have been... When I say the like, out of the box, I think it's the actual medium that they use, you know, the actual form of communication because it is right. military. It is military, but you still think that, you know, that's just, you know, the second you think, well, how are we going to uh, introduce the titles? You know, we don't necessarily have a soundtrack with song titles, so how will we do this and i guess you know by process of you know not even elimination but yeah uh, keep it within something that would be not too far from the character or what the you know or what the what the you know right but still it's you know it still seems like you know once you once you hear it's like that makes sense one and two that was a a a grand idea that someone just sort of made their way to and you know it makes all the sense in the world yeah so i like them and like this is something that is not unheard of if you if you think about it from the gaming perspective like over the years there have been some stuff that i heard just like they'll put some somebody will put something out and or a video or something and the fans will translate and be like well this is what, what might be happening and it ends up maybe being the case so this is probably one of the few times in this case that this has happened which is great like you said so I I thought it was good I did not necessarily I didn't see it because I don't think I'm following that out but um it was cool that they did this and as you can see some of the names are you know yeah this is ter- totally the Punisher <laughs> that works that works by some, of the, some, by some of the naming of these um episodes and that is coming later this year if, if you weren't aware so whoops oh shit I mean that oh darn I should say um let's see last but not least in this cinematic 
corner, we have Titans TV series cast its Dick Grayson in the form of Brenton Thwaites of Pirates of the Caribbean. I was about to say, I only did the crickets, but then I did read that this guy actually was in like a mainstream movie. <laughs> it's still crickets for me because I didn't see that movie and I saw it. I didn't, yeah, like, uh, you know, because I literally, you know, in my mind, I was like, who? And then I and then I think I saw something on like a social media feed that said, you know, his most recent credit was or me, re, most uh, big, his most uh, uh, famous credit is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. So someone knows about this guy. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, yeah, really. So, yes. So we now we have our Nightwing as in addition to the other two that have been previously cast. Nightwing. Yeah, you would think. I would think so. They got to make it darker. They got to. Yeah. Yeah. And this was probably from, I don't know where the hell this one. It doesn't matter. So I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. They do have to do that. And will we get any Nightwing butt shots for the for the fans of that thing? Like Gil Simone and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> who knows? I had um, no idea that was a thing. Yeah, that was that was totally a thing. I was like, all right. Sure. Hey, but you know what? Let it roll. You know? Hmm. Uh, next up, we have the comic book corner of the news section. And we have Gabriel Rodriguez. I always see that name. I apologize. Uh, unsheaths his Arthurian sci-fi comic, Sword of Ages. So apparently that is in a book that is coming November 22nd and uh, Sci-Fi had a first look uh, from IDW. Uh, the synopsis of the book is a mystic origin story you never expected to see. This winter, the sword will be drawn for the first time ever, courtesy of writer, artist, lock and key core creator Gabriel Rodriguez and a five-issue miniseries adventure of epic proportions. A young woman will become the first wielder of the most famous sacred weapon of all time to champion for her world's survival, inspiring a legion of heroes to join her struggle against the merciless alien force. The line between science fiction and magic might get fuzzy, but the line between heroes and villains will be drawn in blood. <laughs> okay. So here we have some some a picture of it, and then the rest of it is an article. So good. I guess some people um we're looking forward to this book. All right. Okay. So um in Black Mask, America's sweetheart, the strongest person in the world is a brave black girl. Is that from the book? Um. So this is a new book. I don't know. I honestly had have, haven't finished Black. Um. Right. For, we're, we're like for for uh listeners to the show. We actually referencing something uh that is featured i guess in the article that uh roddy cat or uh what what, what is your um your identity here uh uh, uh famous dark for trend. dark trend thank you i couldn't remember i couldn't it's remember okay. what the I, trend, I, what the I trick i wanted to call you terrence trent darby i remember the no. trend part which is hysterical um he has, he has dreads and no longer viable so, I don't <laughs> so black mask studios black imagines a world in which black people and only black people begin to suddenly manifest super abilities setting off a series of events that forces its characters and readers to reflect on the real world anti-black racism that's alive and well and in our country. Yes. This is set in the same universe as Black. America's mm-hmm. Sweetheart is written by uh, Kwanzaa Osayefo and illustrated by Jennifer Johnson. Yes, and it is coming so oh, Yeah, I was about to say, I was looking at this long. <laughs> I was looking for a date. You know, yeah. Um, I, th- I wouldn't say November, but I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think it actually says in here, so. But we get some um, preview art, yeah. Preview art. And I'm pretty sure I probably have an email on it, uh, maybe from 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 those folks, but I don't know. And I don't know why this thing is swimming like this. I'm doing nothing. Oh, because my cursor's acting up. That's why. Uh, but moving right along, so we look forward to that for for those who um, have checked out that series, which was, was um, had some interesting things going on about it. I will say. Um, next up, Voltron, legendary defender, is coming back to comics. So the um, the hit Netflix series that spawned off a a comic book beside it is coming back for a second run. Uh, thanks to this article from io9 and revealed on the notice uh, 
uh, it doesn't say when it's coming back, but uh, we we're going to assume that since the, the next season is coming next month, probably going to be around that at that time. Which that I, I remember reading a couple of issues of that first book, and it was um, it was alright. Like that, it, it filled in the gap. It, yeah, basically. And this one seems to um, may possibly do the same thing. All right, cool. Shake but don't stir. Dynamite's new James Bond Solstice one shot comic is coming out. So Daniel Craig has officially announced his uh, last hurrah as uh, James Bond um, in the 25th James Bond flick opening a few years from now. So in the meantime, we're uh, treated to a James Bond story published by Dynamite uh, entitled uh, James Bond Solstice um, illustrated by, uh, written and penciled by the uh, Eisner nominated Ibrahim Mustafa of uh, High Crimes and Savage Things. Uh, It's a one shot that finds uh, 007 on an unofficial mission into uh, France um, confronting uh, old school uh, red menace enemies. Indeed. And yeah, this is not the, you know, um, this is not the first book from from Dynamite with the James Bond license. There have been a, a few. Number. Right, there's been a yes. number of miniseries. Oh, yes. So, this has been, and I want to say uh, Titan also has, because I know there's a book that came out this actually this week that I hadn't had a chance to read uh, um, from the Bond Corner, and that was from um, it's James Bond, it was uh, Moneypenny has a book out this week, actually, and it's a one-shot. And it's the, it is the, uh, actually, the Money Penny from the last couple of movies. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um... Yes, it's called James Bond, Money Penny, and oh yeah, and it's also by Dynamite. Okay, so for some strange reason, I was thinking Titan had uh, some part of the license, but that would make sense that it wouldn't. Anyway, moving along, uh, Injustice 2, first Black Manta gameplay revealed. Now, last week, I believe you guys um, showed off the fact that Fighter Pack 2 came out, or is coming out, and they showed some um the new fighters, Black Manta being one of them. Right, the the obvious this... one from the teasers. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And um, and speaking of Hellboy, we also found out that, you know, um, Raiden and Hellboy right. were also going to be in the fighter pack. But this week we get some actual gameplay from Black Manta, which assuming he's going to be the, the next person out because that's when that's why they normally put these uh, trailers these, uh, videos out. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be sometime next month, which probably not a Mega Man's probably going to be in a week or two the way they've been they've been uh, pushing this. So if you are a fan of Injustice 2 and um, Black Manta, your, your your fighter is coming for you. All right. We kind of already talked about this, but yeah, we did. Really, I, uh, I'll just go quickly over this. Um, Marvel, I didn't realize this because, you know, me, I'm uh, adverse to spoilers. So uh, Marvel pretty pretty much gave away the ending of Secret Empire early this week on Monday. And, uh, you know, it was in uh, mass media. And uh, they basically described a lot of the events and explained a lot of the things that happened in the series and the lead up to the series. So um, I, my my gut says that it's uh, they put it out there early enough to signal to people, hey, it's ending. If you stepped away, it's ending. You may want to pick this up just to see what happens. Mm. Well, I guess that and the flat that Secret Empire has kind of been getting because of Hydra Cap. Right. I guess they wanted to go ahead and say that, you know, hey, look, it's over with. We turned it back around. Old Cat is back. Chill. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, there is that. Like I said, we talked about that earlier in the program. Um, rumor, Marvel working on Secret Wars game. So, apparently there is... Um, what kind oh, of game? Right. Um, we, we don't necessarily know. It could be a fighter. It could be... Actually, so um, according to this article, well, that's still... Yeah, the Square Enix game that is still has yet to be um, un- announced is still on the thing so we don't really know too much about it all we know that there was a trademark um, at the patent office which is why this rumor has come about so um, we don't know much about it outside that there was a patent and it's has something to do with Secret Wars hmm. so we don't know it could be a fighting game it could be you know uh, could be RPG for all we know I don't know and it was like this came by a game rant uh, through Bleeding Cool that rumor side of some whatever mm-hmm. so hey you know maybe we'll see something about 
that in the next few months uh, as to what it might actually be. Our next news story is about the lawsuit between Hasbro and DC Comics over the use of the name Bumblebee to describe certain characters. Hasbro obviously has the Autobot Bumblebee, and DC Comics has a character that's not as uh, well-known but is receiving some attention because uh, she is one of the uh, DC Superhero Girls branded Mattel dolls. Um, this is the the, uh, the hero Bumblebee from uh, the Titans corner of the universe. Mm-hmm. And yes, and in other news, Hasbro actually owns the Bumblebee name as a trademark. Yes, and in other news, an actual Bumblebee says, "Please." <laughs> so, just in any event, there for you folks. Yes. In any event, um, you know, it's 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 interesting that these characters really have coexisted for the longest of times. But now that uh, Bumblebee is reaching the toy market, that's where the money is, and that's where uh, the uh, impetus for this sto- this uh, this uh, loss. It's still huh. stupid. Who is going to um, who is going to confuse a big transforming robot named Bumblebee as uh, with the superhero Bumblebee? I know. So the superhero. Yes. Who who is going to do that? It's toys. Wait. Toys are big money. That's all I got. I don't say. care. It still doesn't make it. It's like, oh yeah, I want that Bumblebee toy. Like, okay, you want Transformers? I'm pretty sure somebody will be like, yeah, I want that Transformers Bumblebee. They won't be saying whatever. I, what about other toys that are Bumblebee related? I'm pretty sure there are some. I think uh, Roddy Cat has let this particular story get under his skin like a stinger. Oh no! <laughs> Uh, jolly good, jolly good show oh, there. Um, no, <laughs> Pat, so I mean, tr- trademark stuff is just stupid in in certain cases. Like, yes, I know you have to you have to fight for that stuff if you have a, a brand that you even know. But this in this case, it seems stupid. Let's move on. <laughs> um, the Mighty Crusaders writer says it will combine old Archie comics and new. So apparently, there's a, going to be a new Mighty Crusaders book uh, on the Archie comics line, written by I believe the writer of an old. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry about that. No, you're not. Um, <laughs> written by apparently someone who has written this, uh, written these characters before, or some version of these characters before. For those of you who don't know, uh, the Mighty Crusaders are from the Archie's um, uh, superhero line from back in the day. It has nothing to do with the actual Archie characters. This was actually a superhero line they had years ago, and I guess they're bringing it back. I have never read it, so I have no know too much about them either. If you're scratching your head, we do have a sound effect for this. Indeed, and here you see some characters, and that looks like uh, hey, this is like old Steve, right? Old Steve Rogers, right there. Um, but yeah, so we see some characters from that in this article. Good luck on that for them. Next, in this story of what took them so long, The Walking Dead is getting a Pokemon Go style AR game. So this know, makes right? perfect sense for um, a concept that involves the real world transformed by a zombie virus. So what took them so long? Yeah, these things are not the easiest things to create, but this makes perfect sense for this particular concept. The funny thing about it is there have been zombie-related games. Most specifically, I believe there was a running app that was zombie-related. Um, and, of course, the affirmation Pokemon Go. So you're right. What took them so long to kind of put that together and make this? We don't know. Because this makes perfect sense. You know? Yeah. Everything from creating, everything from creating uh, walkers out of your friends to uh, literally finding them around the corner. I mean, that's, you know, that's just the way the, the Walking Dead universe is set up. It makes all the sense in the world to have a game based on that. Mm-hmm. It, it it kind of reeks of okay, Pokemon Go is a thing, and it came did wow, and I guess that's when they started working on it. Then when somebody put it, who knows? It's coming out at some point. It'll be for iOS and Android, uh, so we may or may not keep you posted on it. <laughs> we'll see. So yes. Roddy Cat will get the bold face story. Uh, will I? Yeah, this is you. Okay. Oh, in the toy <laughs> corner of the world, because um, I noticed that this is in all bold face caps. <laughs> 
Well, that was that part wasn't intentional because I don't know what I, what I did to hit, you know, or, or what he did. Anyway, well, oh. that, that oh. joke has been ruined. Oh. Yeah, that was it. it was, that was not intentional. Sorry, um, it's okay. Regardless, all the cool Star Wars stuff we've seen on Fourth Friday too. So today at midnight, in a little less than an hour, yeah, it will become Fourth Friday, which is the second annual of um, the Hasbro event, in which uh, Hasbro, Hasbro, I guess it's Hasbro. Sure, let's go with that. We'll, we'll go with Star Wars just in general. A bunch of new Star Wars toys are coming out, and they get showcased on what is called Fourth Friday. Um, and uh, Sci-Fi has a write-up on some of them, including, which I guess we can lump the next two stories into this, uh, a new toy, which marks a um, a new character that's going to be in The Last Jedi, and that the character is called BB-9E, which if that name sounds familiar, it is basically the evil version of BB-8. Uh, which basically looks like a Darth Vader, looks like a Darth Vader version of BB-8 that Sphero is putting out. There, and we now know that that's going to be a character in the movie. We also have, um, let's see, there's an AR challenge. There's, and well, the next story also, the Lego's new Star Wars set, which apparently, um, where is that one? Which apparently is 7,541 pieces and the most expensive yet, which is the Lego Millennium Falcon for 800 bucks. Holy, holy cow. Yes, I know there's some Lego Maniacs, and it comes with uh, uh, 10 figures, and that's freaking ridiculous. I know there's some Lego maniacs out there that are that are frothing at the mouth, but that's freaking ridiculous. Yo, if you oh got my gosh. Gosh. Yeah, true. And some other Lego stuff and some other, you know, some other um action figures that were that will also be announced. Um they usually do a thing on on YouTube about that. I'm not sure if they are going to do that or if they have done that. So there could be something going on right now leading up to it as as we record this on Thursday night prior to. Uh but yeah, there's a bunch of figures coming out. You I'm sure if you are a Star fan fan, and I am kind of not to the point that we're getting to the toy side of it, but um yeah. You are you have counted down to this day and um, similarly frother cut the mouse. And I guess with that ends because like I said, uh, the, the oh wait, there's actually along with that, there was also another article that I didn't put in there um, that said that um, the one of the toys is one of uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. So we got a, another good look at um, what that character is going to look like uh, in this. So yeah, so if you're watching this live and um, and you will catch the Force Friday stuff that is probably already going on and or coming in the next hour or so. Tell me what you think. I don't know. Like, our resident toy expert is not a, a, tower, a, a Star Wars fan that way. Am I correct? I wouldn't say I'm a toy expert. I think that our toy expertise is uh, spread amongst uh, yourself, myself, and uh, PCN underscore dirt. And I think that amongst the three of us, I don't think any of us um, delve too deeply into the current Star Wars stuff. So Yeah, not so much. Like, I have some uh, Disney Infinity stuff, but and some of these boxes I have, yeah, but we're not, not, it doesn't go too far. But there are plenty. Of, there are plenty of people out there who love the the uh, the, the, the the kind of deluxe, the black series of these figures. Um, yeah, and we love you for it. Yeah. So our so if we're near the end of the comic book news, I wanted to add one thing. Um, this week marked the uh, 100th birthday of Jack Kirby. We had mentioned it um, uh, last week because uh, you know there are some news stories about it. Uh, I did have a, a, a moment to uh, visit the Jack Kirby 100 Years um, uh, feature uh, exhibit uh, by the Jack Kirby Museum that was put on in. Uh, New York City uh, earlier this week. It ran from um, Sunday the 27th through uh, Wednesday the 30th, and I was there on um, Monday evening. Um, there was uh, a talk by Rand Hoppy uh, at 6 p.m. that I caught that basically uh, went through uh, the history of Jack Kirby. I did take plenty of pictures, and I'm going to do, uh, and I hope to finally get a, a, a couple of write-ups in uh, on this uh, on the website. So, t- so be on the lookout for something on theclicknation.com. 
Tom about my trip to the uh, Jack Kirby 100 uh, exhibit uh, from this week. And with that, I would like to thank Dark Trent for coming by and, and doing the news. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll check you out uh, in a few days for brunch. Uh, but with that, we are coming to the end of the show, and we have another ad read. So, our final ad read of the night is for Busted Tees. This episode of the Click Nation's Comic Book Chronicles is sponsored by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose, choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by pop culture, cleverly themed t-shirts inspired by movies, video games, games tv shows comic books and more are all on sale to help keep our podcast free order from busted tees by going to cspn.us that's cspn.us then click on the keep our podcast free link click on the busted tees banner and then shop for awesome t-shirts busted tees through cspn.us do it today and we come come to the uh, end of, the, of this road in this show. And I would just like to say that I would really like a print of this Black Panther and the Crew number six. I meant to mention that last week. It's Cassidy, right? Um, no, it is not. That's not Cassidy's cover. Mm-mm. Hold on, it's now. actually. Um, no, I gotta look at it. Hold on, Mounts. No, but Mounts is a colorist. That's mm-hmm. definitely John. Well, no, I can't say definitely. Hold on. Oh no, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. You are actually right. John Cassidy and Paul Mounts. Yeah, cover by. So. Yeah, there you go. So uh, if you're going to see any uh, prints of that, you may want to uh, address your tweets at uh, uh, John Cassidy. <laughs> Mm. If he's coming to a, a con near you, eh, probably not. <laughs> well, he might. Um, oh. No, because there are no other. I mean, the last uh, actually, the last con near me. And there may be another one in November, but, but I doubt it. But the last one that I know of near me just happened this past weekend. I did not go to it, and I heard it wasn't great. Yikes! Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, that is that is other news for another time. So, if you are in the Atlanta area, make sure and you enjoy your and you're a nerd, big enough nerd. Go check out Dragon Con. I wish I was there. I would love to be. That would be great. But if not, enjoy your Labor Day weekend folks um you know hopefully you, know, you have time to rest and whatnot and if you are so inclined you know there are victims in uh houston who still need some help so they're going to need help for a long time too exactly so if you also feel so inclined on this this weekend and going forward for the next uh, little while you know give to the red cross or you know find your other places where you can uh, give of yourself and your you know, your time and efforts and energy and probably money and resources that they will sorely need so by all means please do that because it, it, it is totally needed. Um, that being said, thank you all for coming by. We're going to end this show. Uh, but before we end the show, we would like to say Agent 70, Agent underscore 70, my man, my Melo, thank you for being here. You can find him at Agent underscore 70 on Twitter. You can also find him at Agent underscore 70 on Instagram, where he uh, tweets out his toy goodness <laughs> every chance he gets. Um, <laughs> which seems to be pretty much every other day <laughs> at this point. <laughs> because of how often they're putting out the freaking Marvel Legends. By the way, there is they did release some news today that I didn't we didn't have a chance to talk about we may have to start like a new toy corner for like a to, like a mini toy uh, podcast that just talks about the week's worth of toy uh, announcements you know what we can possibly we can make that happen sir um, uh, very quickly they announced that the build a figure for the Marvel Legends the Deadpool uh, series that's coming out that has the Liefeld uh, inspired cable the build a figure is Sasquatch <laughs> like Sasquatch really so Alpha Alpha Flight. Flight. yes yes so <laughs> weird yeah we shall, like I said we shall see I, I'm kind of confused Confused by that one, but anyway. Mm-hmm. And on that note, no, they've been, they've been doing real here ones because you, you know that Guardians of the Galaxy one was really like, ooh, Titus, really? Yeah, because yeah, they picked the Nova, uh, villain. Right. and I still think they're really holding back on some of the the bigger um, uh, uh, cosmic villains because they don't have licenses for them. They're probably FF characters. Right, true. Have they done a Thanos one? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, he was a build a figure for um, Avengers. I, I built you. him. I definitely built him. You know, he's gotcha. a build figure. But anyway, let's continue wrapping up. But anyway, also talk yes, about yes, yes, online that, that, on Instagram aside. Yes, that version aside. Um, also for the um, for the not here Tim Dog ninety eight. You 
can find him on Tim Dog Ninety Eight on Twitter. Uh, you get the Click Nation on Twitter, also CB Cron on Twitter, and also theclicknation.com. Tim's writing for pretty much any and everybody nowadays, so you go check him out. Click on his stuff um, wherever you might see it, or check his Twitter because I'm sure I know he tweets out when he um, throws up a new article. So go support that man; he's doing some good stuff. And also for the um, sabbatical taking PCN underscore Dirt, still go check him out at PCN underscore Dirt uh, on Twitter. Also Pop Culture Net on Twitter, and also definitely check out his Pop Culture Network, um, where I assume he's still going. There's still going to be some stuff by him and people that that are he's uh, doing stuff with over there. Um, and you can find me, RideyCat, at RideyCat on Twitter. You can also find me at NewsNerdsNeed on Twitter. You can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram, my uh, comic panel site, which is going to have a few more things in the next couple of hours, and maybe the next day or so on some books we've actually talked about this week. Uh, you can find the podcast wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, you can also check us out at CSPN.us, where this podcast rests, and other fine podcasts. Um, go check them out. They're doing good stuff over there. And also, while you're there support uh the network by going to shop.cspn.us and go to amazon go you know get uh get some stuff through the wares that are through the link at shop.cspn.us help us help you help them help us help you help them um and unless i'm forgetting anything else that brings us to the absolute end of this show while i get this uh, thing together thank you guys for coming out i don't know do you have anything that you wanted to play us out with or no Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it? it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this woman that you are leaving higher?